This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And your time. Put our hands together for Hip hop, hip hop. Cause who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. Julian DeChazier, also known as Jay Quest, I'm a pastor at University Church, which is in Hyde Park, right next to University of Chicago, like right on the campus there. And uh, have also been doing music, you know, as Jay Quest for, for more than 10 years. Concede true deception and multiply a million fold. Visualize the yin and yang in a battle so intense that we get them confused. The Resident Evil specialize in misconstruing. We want to be at a presidential level. What are we doing? Fooling ourselves, clowning ourselves, playing ourselves, but not being ourselves. We can't babble no more than we can bob our head off beat. Nim ride by the time we 40 because we can't get off meat. Why we ask no reason for the misplacement of the season. Look at the picture that's painted. Tainted as a mind that's blinded to the point where sodomites get all the rights. We fall for fights with fist to cuss. Get pissed enough to miss the bus. It disgusts me to see my folks run up on. I say stand up on the section of time all revelations. And recognize his mind numb and reality of horror known as mankind. Jesus and his twelve disciples make thirteen. A righteous number of righteous men. Even Judas the betrayer came true in the end. The devil say the end is the beginning. They teach that we were the product of incest. Invest no level of self into this system of pagan numbers. Stand with us and don't look back upon them. this faceless mind state. Otherwise, Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. So the first song is 13th Floor, Growing Old by uh, Outkast from their album AT Aliens, 1996. My father lived in Atlanta and I went to visit him for the first time in 96. One of the first things somebody hit me to was Southern Playalistic. And I had heard Players Ball and some of the other records that had made it up north, but I didn't really like check that album out. I didn't know Hootie Who, which was like the anthem for the South. Hearing that just kind of like blew my mind open because they were just so different in terms of their way of, of just articulating wherever they were in life at that point. It wasn't always like, hey, we got to do gangster rap or we got to do this genre. Look, we just going to do music was what I felt like they were saying and doing and they had a label through the face that was willing to just kind of let them do their thing. My favorite spoke, but ain't no gang when they be calling your name in the coat. Oh, it's Saturday night, I guess that makes it all right. Got an obese 20 sack, fully packed, it's so tight. That is busting out the seams. Yes, sir, I'm set. Oh, but let me touch the 380 before I jet. Hops off in the lack with big gift. You got a like booty hoo. Communication device done when I'm twice. Should I ask I mean, that first album was cool, it was really good. But like, then they came out again, and the first single was Elevators, and it was like, whoa, this is totally different. 
from anything else in hip-hop right now this is totally raw and and then you saw the album cover would come out and then it's like a comic book what are they doing like what's going on here and then the album just floored me floored me and this was one of the songs that that hit me the hardest because it's just the i mean lyrically where they were going what they were talking about where they were allowing themselves to go as artists was just so new and raw in hip-hop and it just had never really happened like that before certainly not in the south i mean big had done some stuff even before then with everyday struggle and other things where it's like really deep and inbred kind of stories about these raw emotions but they were kind of talking about mistakes that they were making and lessons that they were learning along the way and wisdom and, and that's what i think 13th floor is about Souls open wounds eventually turn to scabs. Trees bright and green turn yellow brown. Autumn caught them. See, autumn leaves must fall down, growing old. They were learning. They were maturing on the record. Like that was killing me. That was just killing me. As a you know, at that point, thirteen year old, like I was going through that same process. You know, in a much lower level obviously but of maturing of asking a ton of questions of making a ton of mistakes of getting in wrong relationships of figuring out who friends are and all of that and that was just something that they were willing to to ask and deal with on the record i said you never heard of a player with no game told the truth to get what i want but shot it with no shame take this music get serious while others entertain i see they making they paper so i guess i can't complain or can i i feel they disrespecting the whole thing them hoax like selling dope to black folks and i choke when the food they serving ain't tasting right my stomach can't digest it even when i bless it i'm confessing one more lesson from the south we in the house tonight now who be who wants to oppose suppose we roll through heaven and the lower me and my niggas are past the floor and got down for eyes like high catches my mind catches flashbacks to the black past while my close niggas laugh at the southern slang figure ways and mojo chicken wings i grew up on booty shake we did not know no better thing so go ahead and this it my real hot pippers listen started by african bambada so you and your partner gather your thoughts it was solely probably about like just that dungeon family sound first just that organized noise production that was able to draw me in and it had that kind of funk to it that just that soulful sound kind of brought me in where I didn't have to like I didn't have to try hard just the song coming in with the poem with Big Rube what he did in that in that opening was almost like a sermon in a lot of ways the ways that I understand it now in terms of, of my career but Judas the betrayer came true in the end. Jesus and his 12 disciples makes 13 and like wasn't spending too much time on it, but was just here it is taking it for granted that we knew it. Or if you weren't up on that, you would take the time to go figure out what he was talking about and you would grow in your own process. And then the singer comes in, you know, none of this seems connected at all yet. It's just like poetry, song. Now Dre comes in with a verse. Then big boy comes in and these are life stories that they're telling. These are life lessons that they're telling. And they just allow each other the space to just kind of do that. It can never be a single. It's not three and a half minutes. It's not a single. But it's still one of those records where that you expect to hear at the end of an album. Where it's like, I've given you elevators. I've given you 
the records that you need to go out and, and buy the album or play on the radio. This is not for the radio. We didn't even make it for the radio. We weren't even thinking about the radio. We were thinking about you with your CD player and your headphones and just vibing out. That's it. That's why we made this song, to share that with you. Born and Trump Patton, but my partners, they call me Big Boy. It's the nigga to be IG, be speaking the truth, not talking that shit, boy. I'm thinking of checking my traps, I'm busting my raps, I'm throwing them cracks. 7-Eleven is no convenience, you pumping your gas, or watching your back. For the robbing crew, thinking they robbing you, you must be cautious. She's staying up on your game and pipping these pros, you must be flawless. Like Mortal Kombat, but fucking these wine bags got you busy, my nigga. You know if I wanna be playing, but running up on me like you miss me. You catching the wrong vibe, packing your shit and rolling your eyes back. Flexing up on the corner, tossing your dice and rolling your Cadillac. But man, it seems I'm reaching out and touching the Wrong nigga, don't expect it to be pimping. Get your index off the trigger as we bust. Us, believing them in the dust. So keep that cane up out of your nose. I said my piece and then I hush as the calendar keeps flipping. Niggas dip. I was 13 years old and I had a cousin who had just come out of jail and he was five percenter when he had come out. And so he was sharing that stuff with me and I was like, all right, that's what it is. Especially because I was hearing Wu Tang on the other side of that. So it was like, all right, so. This might make sense. That was around 95, 96. I was hearing more of that kind of talk, the 5%er talk within hip hop than I was the Christianity or the other kind of language. So to hear this was like, oh, there are folks who are kind of, they're playing with this. They're dancing with this idea of Christianity. It's not just the devil's religion. It's not just a white man's religion or, or some evil used to break down poor people or something like that. You know, the ways that a lot of people talk about Christianity in terms of its hypocrisy. Sure, all of that stuff might have some validity somewhere, but these were some artists who were like, all right, but that's where I am. So this is what I believe in. But it's not a sermon. It's not a catechism, which is what a lot of gospel rap or Christian rap or other kind of rap that's religious can be about. It's not even about like life. It's about like get saved getting people saved and this was something that was much more like raw and fresh and organic to me about the spiritual journey that we find god through our mistakes that we find god through through our lives and not necessarily in the pews and so i mean this was kind of a an entryway into the church for me just hearing like oh these guys can do this and still live their lives and not be like locked in a church all day Beloved, we are gathered like soap is the lab that we come clean. Some issues need to be addressed like envelopes, I mean. Oh, like Liberty Bells, just them bullets keep on ranging. On fire like the Georgia Mass Choir, we keep on singing. Bringing our folks closer together, cause they severed us from the get green. Like, and we ain't gonna stop until we hit the big screen. Psych, because no one is free when others are oppressed. So, we hit the stage and then we fly back to our One of the things that really connected me to Outcast was that my father lived down there. That I wanted to connect to Atlanta in some kind of way and that was the music of that city at that point like that was it <laughs> when Outkast came out that was it that was that was all people listened to Hootie Who was all you heard I first heard it from a dude bagging the groceries I'll never forget this day heard a, a guy bagging the groceries at the Publix down there and he was singing this song Hootie Who follow the crime. you know like he was doing that I'm just like, what is that? I was sure it was Outkast because that's all people were talking about. So that's when I went later that day and bought the CD and saw, you know, I bought it because I saw the song Hootie Who on the back. Like, this is the one. All right, we got, I'm going to know now. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to do Hootie Who. Nobody's doing that. All right, I'm going to be up on, you know, I'm going to teach my friends what's going on in Atlanta because Atlanta was like the coolest place in the world 
for Chicago. I mean, they, they had Freak Nick, other stuff that was just like, for a teenager, was just way bigger than your life was. Like, we couldn't even conceive going to Freak Nick. We couldn't even conceive of the Olympics and stuff being in our city. So it was just like, wow, this, this city is happening right People don't understand just like their parents don't be caring. Speaking about you playing with that phony stuff you sharing in your raps and Sadie Benz and all your riches. Thinking you got it, but get it, get it. But you ain't pipping no bitches cause you flop in. But the light leads into driveways. Isn't it lovely smoking good and sloppy head on highways? Fridays are tight, but Saturday just makes it old. When tonight's a hot woman up to feed your soul, rolling old. I grew up, it was, you know, me and my mother, and then my mother got married. And, and that was, in short, a terrible situation. You know, it was filled with kind of all the, the stereotypical types of abuses you might think of were in and around our house and in and around our community. And that was something that you just grew up almost kind of taking for granted. Like, yeah, this is how it is. But even still, uh, parts of me and seeing that and experiencing that were always like, you know, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be more than this. This can't be just the way life is. There's, there's some brokenness here. There's something wrong with this kind of situation. My mother agreed. She uh, got a divorce and, and we moved off. And so from that point on, I was working, going to high school, helping her with, with the bills. And she was grinding, working two, two jobs often, you know, and just trying to get me in school, trying to keep me focused on the things I needed to worry about, not always coming in the house talking about we broke or anything like that but just letting me try to have some semblance of a childhood which a lot of that had been lost in those first that 7 to 13 kind of range of my life I was 13 at the end of that situation was when I found Outkast was when I wanted to hear music that connected with pain I wanted to hear music that connected with raw and real experiences because that's what I was going through every day it wasn't like all I gotta do is go home do my homework and go play outside afterwards no like this was real life happening and those those experiences i remember just being so raw and i couldn't articulate them and they were traumatic for me and they were i mean i hated them i hated them but was able to find therapy and listening to music and finding my own artistic voice eventually and sports and all that other stuff video games all that stuff that kids get into love with outcasts because I just thought they were so different I just thought it was like these weren't gangsters you know I didn't have to pretend like I was gonna shoot somebody or you know be disrespectful to folks it, you know that that all that music that I grew up with was just you know looking back on it was just completely it was like terrorism on my ears you know like it was just the most objectionable thoughts you could imagine towards other people, towards life, and all of that. And, and they were just bringing a different kind of perspective of, of trying to appreciate life, enjoy life, go through these things. But still, I mean, they still had that braggadocio that, that rappers have. You know, I'm the man. You know, they Big Boy always brought that. You know, and I, I appreciated that. But they were able to do it kind of within their own context instead of them saying, oh, we're going to put Atlanta on the map by making a song just like Snoop made. No, we're going to put Atlanta on the map by doing our thing. We're going to do us. And y'all are going to see that this is, this is the direction that music is going in. Yo, we got to start respecting life more, y'all. 
When you look at your brother, man, you gotta see yourself. Gotta see the guy within him. We brothers getting changed real quick over nothing. We losing too many of ours. Gotta recreate, y'all. So the Yo. second song is Retrospect second. for Life. It's by Common. It was on his One Day of the Law Makes Sense album. Featured Lauren Hill, who was uh, about to become one of the hottest things in the world. But at that point, we still didn't even really know who she was. I mean, we knew her from the Fugees, from the score. Thought she was dope, but she really brought something special to the song, which really needed nothing but the lyrics. And you could have had a simple drum beat, and the song would have been one of the most amazing things ever. The first time I heard about this song was in The Source, a hip-hop quotable. And so I read the verse and said, wow, this is... <laughs> This is like real life right here. This is what's going on in the streets. I've been hearing folks older than me talk about abortion, child support, making those kind of tough decisions, folks who had gone through with it. And that was just such a, a, a spellbinding kind of reality for me. Like that was just puzzling for me. Like I couldn't even imagine that. You know, I wasn't having sex or anything. So it was like for people to be forced to make decisions about life and death and things like that was just... I had never been there in my life before. Yeah, I just I was just reading the quotable like you do every month. And it was just like, Yo. this is different. Check. Here's some real life stuff. Knowing you the best part of life, do I have the right to take yours? Cause I created you irresponsibly. Subconsciously knowing the act, I was a part of the start of something. I'm not ready to bring it to the world. Had myself believing I was sterile. I look at your mother's stomach and wonder if you are a boy or a girl. Turning this woman's wound into a tomb. But she and I agree. A seed we don't need You would have been much more than a mouth to feed But someone I would have fed this information I read to someone My life for you I would have had to leave Seeing you the best part of life Do I have a right to take yours? Because I created you irresponsibly Wow He's talking to this child Who he may or may not abort Like whew For me I remember just bringing up some really raw emotions that I couldn't even articulate because, again, I'd never been through any of that. This, again, this was like that 96. This was that point where, like, I, I figured out everything I needed to know. You know, I started learning about all these artists at once and, and went backwards and, and heard I used to love her and Orange Pineapple Juice and This Is Me and those other records that were real shytown town staples, too. So I loved Common at this point. I mean, I bought his album my first day. I bought the tape I bought for $17 from Sam Goody. So, so, so you know I loved them. You know what I'm saying? Bought the tape for real, and I ain't have no money. You know what I'm saying? But that was, that that was how much I liked him at that point. And so, and so the single had the video with him on the bus, and that joint was just like fun. It was just like a fun record, and I was just like, yeah, this is kind of this is a different kind of way to to portray the city, especially because we had, had like do or die and and just other kind of rap. That again, I you know I wasn't a gangster. I couldn't re I couldn't reflect on that. I couldn't really deal with that like probably a lot of other people living in those situations could. You know that wasn't my soundtrack. My soundtrack was more fun. Was more real life. So I love Common, and when I heard this song, I was just like, no, nah, this is this is the greatest thing ever. To me, it just shows the real potential of hip-hop to use concepts, to speak metaphorically about really important things, and, and to be able to talk about painful stuff, but, you know, without making it so didn't without making it like a catechism, without making it 
like a teaching moment. That's the thing that I love about hip hop at its best is that an artist can do a song and like you get the message without them telling you, here's the message. Get it? You don't have to say that. I get it. I heard it. I heard the story. I heard the vibe. I know exactly what you're trying to, to tell me. I feel what you're going through. And either I can relate to it or I can't. And for this song, it, it just, I completely related. Instead, I led you to death. First step and first cry, but I wasn't prepared mentally nor financially. Having a child shouldn't have to bring out the man in me. Plus, I wanted you to be raised within a family. I don't wanna go through the drama of having a baby's mama. We can visit and buying James ain't gonna make me a father. For a while, bearing a child is something I never wanted to do. For me to live forever, I can only do that through you. Nerve, I got to talk about them niggas with a gun. Must have really thought I was God to take the life of my son. I could have sacrificed going out to think my homies who did it. I used to joke about from now on i'm gonna use self-control instead of birth control because 315 dollars ain't worth your soul 315 dollars ain't worth your soul 315 dollars ain't worth it his first two albums were i think everybody would agree were hip-hop like they were about lyricism they were about how we presented ourselves as rappers and to a certain extent and especially on resurrection how we presented ourselves as men and our living and stuff like that he would talk a little bit about that this album it felt like he went even further there with gaining one's definition with stolen moments even where he was kind of talking about something that may or may not have happened to him but like really like an inside look at his life and the way that he was thinking and responding to stuff that was a new kind of turn for him you know and a new kind of way of being an artist for him and really evolving as an artist and i think that this song you know retrospect just captures that in the sense that it, it's not necessarily going to be about making sure we say the perfect thing right here or making sure that our bars are perfect but i got something i need to tell y'all i got something that i need to say about how i'm feeling the feelings and the presentation are more important than the the hip-hopness of the song or making sure that the drum beat is where it needs to be or that we got a hook in here that's doing this or that no this is about I wasn't prepared mentally nor financially. Having a child shouldn't have to bring out the man in me. Plus, I wanted you to be raised within a family. Going through all of these different levels of feelings and just being able to put them on the record. And that's a great risk. I think it's, it takes a lot for an artist to be able to just say, here, this is where I am right now. Because somebody could hear it and completely dog you for it. You know, they can kill you for that. As an artist, you can lose your reputation for veering away from kind of whatever lane people have put you in. And he was just willing to be in whatever lane his life was in. Seeing you as a present and a gift in itself. You had our child in you. I probably never feel what you felt, but you dealt with it like the strong black woman you are. Through our trials and tribulations, child's elimination, an integration of thoughts I feel about the situation. Back and forth, my feelings was patient. Happy deep down, but not joyed enough to have it. But even that's a lie, less than two weeks, we was back at it. Is this unprotected love or safe to say it's lust busting? More than a sweat in somebody you trust. Or is it that we don't trust each other enough and believe having a child will make us have to stay together? I mean, that's why for me still common is is just one of the avant-garde artists of hip-hop period somebody who i admire as an artist as a man the ability to just communicate those kind of emotions and feelings and especially about stuff that people weren't talking about i mean retrospect for life you've heard plenty of pastors and people say like don't have sex 
wait till you get married. We hear the lessons all the time. We hear the teaching about sex. We hear about STDs and early pregnancy and all that type of stuff as a teenager. You're flooded with that. But this was a whole nother thing. This was like, I just need you to think about the weight of what having a child is like. I mean, when you're a teenager, you first learn about sex is nothing. It's just something you do. You know, you just do it because you can, you know, and because now for the first time in your life, you actually want to all the time. So you just do it. And he was somebody who was like a cousin or an uncle for hip hop and for people who were listening to, to say, no, nah, let me let me just tell you what this is really about. Not like a pastor, a teacher, a doctor, but like really like family really sitting you down and saying, man, I should have used self-control instead of birth control because $315 ain't worth your soul. That's something you hear on the stoop. That's something you hear from family and you and you th- you remember it for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, or, when, or the next time you're thinking about getting it in or something, you're like, ah, you know, I'm a, I need to think about this because <laughs> this is real. I know somebody who's been through this for real and I, I don't ever want my face to look like his face. You can imagine Common's face doing the song. You can imagine the woman, everything involved with that. I could see those conversations happening. I could see him battling in all of this, of what he was going to do, of doing it last time, but now really trying to make a different decision this time and, and be more responsible for him. That was groundbreaking. That was groundbreaking for me. Cause you have made it better Thinking we all in love Cause we can spend a day together We talking spending the rest of our lives It's too many black women That can say they mothers But can't say that they wives I wouldn't choose any other To mother my understanding But I want our parenthood To come from planning There's so much in my life That's undone We gotta see eye to eye About family Before we can become one If you had decided to have it The situation I wouldn't run from But I'm walking Finding myself and my God So I can discipline my son With my rod And I have a judge telling me how and when to raise my seed Though his death was out our creed With no one else to blame I had a book of African names In case our minds change Just say your period hasn't came And lately I've been sleepy So quit smoking the weed and the beaties And let's hide his And then the, the second verse coming in Was like him talking to the woman You had our child in you I probably never feel what you felt But you dealt with it Like the strong black woman you are Through our trials and tribulations Child's elimination Like he's speaking to her He's allowing her to kind of own her own pain and guilt in the process as well. And so that's just a new kind of thing. I mean, if I heard it now as a a 29-year-old man, I'd be like, okay, I appreciate this isn't misogynistic. I have all these words for it. But back then, I was just like 13, 14 years old and just like, wow, that's a different kind of way of looking at women. That's a different kind of way of looking at this situation. Whereas it had always been looked at so very robotically and almost in a dehumanizing kind of way. I was glad that he put a woman on the record because for me he humanized the process of thinking about abortion, he humanized the woman, he humanized the baby, all of that stuff he made very human as well as himself. Whereas when you think about like abortion it's like, "Oh, I made a mistake, something happened, let me fix it." 
And he really expanded that beyond sort of liberal or conservative tones to really open that up and say, this is way deeper than we're going to be able to categorize. And for me, Lauren's presence helped me to remember that a woman's involved in this process too. That it's not just man climbs on top of woman, things happen, man makes a decision, woman obeys, case closed, next scenario, you know, but that a woman's involved in this too. And her longing in the hook of why didn't you say the, the riff off of the Stevie Wonder record, that that was just powerful to me. What if it was the other way around? What if Lauren did all the verses and Common like did a hook? What would that song sound like? I don't even know if hip hop would have been ready to hear that. Would they still be now? Could Nicki Minaj do a song about a possible abortion right now? Could Lady Gaga, could anybody, you know, could it happen? I think people would have said, that's weak of a woman to even think about. For a man, it's complex, it's, it's evolved human emotions, you know, all this stuff that we praise about common, but when a woman might be having these same thoughts, it's like, oh, you're weak. Don't you understand that you have a life inside of you? And try not to be too political here, but I think that's garbage. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, the ways in which that double standard operates itself with men and women. And for me, I, I picked Retrospect for Life because it's not political to me. To me, the song is about real life. moments become like testimonies in church language that sometimes testimony is even more powerful than the sermon sometimes somebody can get up there and say a testimony and you can just say that's it we're done here like just think about what just happened right there think about the lessons that they've learned i don't you don't need a scripture or anything you've heard the word of god and i feel like in this song without saying any sort of christian biblical ideas around abortion you hear the word of God. You hear somebody being transformed in a song. And then you're transformed in listening to the song. And so it, that's magical to me. That's That to me is the whole point of this music experiment with the human race. This whole music project is about how we allow ourselves to be transformed in hearing, but also at a deeper level, how artists allow themselves to be transformed in this public space where everybody can hear you and everybody can kind of respond to you afterwards. Hello, you've reached the Hotel Message Center. You have one new message. The message is... Yo, son, this is me, man. Uh, I, I talked to Derek a little earlier this evening, you know, and we had a good conversation. And uh, I got some things in my mind, man, like in terms of uh, uh, later, not, not what you're doing right now, but some way later. Man, and, and, and I, I, I've got this impulse that I'm, I'm 
So after high school, I, I went to Morehouse College for my undergrad that was down in Atlanta. I couldn't get away from Atlanta. And I was so ready to get down there because I, I started to get a sense that I really wanted to help people with my life. Like I wanted to use what I was learning and experiencing to try to be an advocate for others. If I can stand beside people as they're struggling, as I felt like there were people and mentors who during high school really stood with me when I was struggling and going through a lot of traumatic experiences and really trying to process what I had experienced through my childhood and dealing with that. I had people who helped me and I've always been thankful for that. And so I wanted to go to a, a college or a place where I felt like I can grow and not only get a lot of a book smarts, but also be able to gain a lot of the other tools for tools and wisdom for helping communities. I never had a sense that I was like going to be a preacher, or go do church work or anything like that. For me, it was just like, however I can help, I'm open to whatever that might end up being because, I mean, streets need help. And plenty of the people in the streets need advocates and people who are willing to fight for them and not just kind of be journalists about their situation, which a lot of rappers are, but, but people who are willing to do a little bit more than journalism, but at actual advocacy work. I mentioned the rappers because at this point I had really started getting a sense that I could possibly do rap with my life. That I, I had written enough and enough of those black and white composition notebooks and shared enough of it on stages with folks, whether it's in churches or other places, where it was like, okay, I might be able to share my art with other people. I might be able to create art for others to listen to. By the time I finished at Morehouse, I just had a, a whole new way of viewing the world and really of understanding myself and my potential and what, what I felt like I was called to do, which was really to make an artistic statement that would be able to help people who were listening and using art to really develop their identity and their lives and all of that. Time to face it. Sitting in the middle of the basement holding a jack. I'm anticipating he gonna call me back. Got so much on my mind, ain't no holding it back. In fact, I give a fuck how he gonna react. For my first 19, asking where Lee at. Never seen him in the spots where we be at. For the next couple hours, I sat till the phone rang. No luck or no cigar. So I said to myself, I tried them all. Me and Vincent left out, went to shoot some ball. Came back, had a message like I mean, my first real memory of a, a real conversation with my father was when I was like 13 in Atlanta. Like him getting me from the airport. I come down, I get off the airplane, I see him and I, and I know him because he would always call me on my birthday. He would call and check in every once in a while. So it wasn't like he was just missing. It was just like things between him and my mom didn't work out. And they were still cordial and would talk. So I never really hated him. I just always kind of wondered a lot about him. So I was always intrigued by him. And he was uh, doing a lot down in Atlanta. I mean, at that point, he was the president of a seminary. So it was like, I, I was just very intrigued by him always. And that... I just wanted to learn from him. He was just, he is a very smart man, a brilliant man. And so I just I would ask questions. He would he's a teacher as well. So you know, he was able to kind of sense directions and places where I was going and and help poke me with conversations that were helpful in that. And then I would just come home and that would be our relationship. Like I would go for a summer it would be great, then I'll go home and be almost totally disconnected from him. You know, I didn't want that to be the case. I didn't. I felt like a lot of our relationship was missing. So once I went to college, it was like, I'm gonna take the time to figure out who you really are, and I'm gonna figure out if I wanna 
have a relationship with you for the rest of my life. We're gonna figure this out over this next four years. I was looking at your photograph, amazed how I favored you. I remember being young, wanting to play with you. Cause you was a wild and crazy dude. And now I understand why my mama couldn't ever stay with you. From the roots to the ramps to the leaves. They say apples don't fall far from the trees. Used to find it hard to believe, and I swore that I would always hold my family as long as I could. But damn, our memories can be so misleading. It's misery, I hate to see history repeating. Thought you were the bad guy, but I guess that's why me and my girl split, and my son is leaving. I did chores, did bills, and did dirt, but I swear to God I tried to make that shit work. I, I was the one who we were in the car driving down Cascade. I asked him. I just looked I over to him and said, "Why?" Why did this happen? What happened? Just tell me what happened. I was 19 years old and he pulled over, like we talked for a minute, then we had, then it got too deep, we had to pull, go turn around, go back home and talk even more. It was just like that, that the relationship began to change of just him sharing his confidences with me over what he was really feeling and experiencing and going through in that moment. As he was having that ex experience, I was, you know, I couldn't connect with it, but I appreciated his honesty and his vulnerability with me. And that, for me, opened up a world of possibility. He wasn't trying to be like the stone cold man or no, nah, it was he he had a real conversation with me. And and I've always appreciated that and thought that even in the ways in which we, you know, I wished he would have been around or wish they could have been together or wish, 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 wish. The reality was that I now had an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And so so we, we were going to have to start on new territory because I didn't know anybody else who was like. If your daddy wasn't around, you didn't care. You were just like, oh, forget him. You write a song about him. Forget him. Biological didn't bother. You know, that was what, what Shaq said. That I, I shouldn't have just quoted a Shaquille O'Neal song right there. That's how much hip-hop I got inside of me, man. Biological father left me in the cold. A few months old, I thought a child was greater than gold, but I guess not. You brought me into this world, but you're not my dad. Mess around with them drugs, make my mom's mad. So we left you with no remorse or pity. Took the first bus from North to Jersey City. Women and child alone, now that's pressure. Mom's gotta go to work. Drop me off by Odessa, Mama, I'm Vivi, whoever. Once I got down there freshman year, I started hearing a lot more from Morehouse about how the church used to be the center of communities. It used to be the place where the most important conversations happen. And that wasn't my reality growing up, but to hear that it used to be the case or that King wanted to be known as a Christian minister, that was important to him. He wanted to be reverent. That, that had to be the case for him and demanded it and, and was an ox about that with the press, you know, and, and the ways that he communicated himself. That was, that was kind of ill to me. That was like, wow, that's... Maybe the church can become the, the center of a community again. Maybe. I don't know what that would have to look like. What kind of, again, what kind of reality and apologies would have to be made in, in that kind of way. But I became intrigued by the ways in which churches interact with communities or don't interact. And he was there to help me translate kind of church history. He introduced kind of a, a different kind of paradigm that began to sit around and swim around in my head as I was going through college. I could just bring those kind of questions and he would be able to kind of break it down in a way where I didn't want to run from Christianity. Even as I be began to learn that the religion itself was very man-made, very man-made. And that can be disappointing for a lot of people. And a lot of people who don't like religion don't like it because they're put off by how human it is. 
and how mistake written it is. Yeah, but really but I was able to kind of work through that right. well, with I mean, my dad's help. So well, I, mean, I, I really appreciate did. that. Sometimes I can keep it down with the case on the dirt. Yeah. If you feel that love behind, need to get up and go to church. My first show was, I was 14, and this guy named Breezy was a uh, rapper at the school, and he was like, he was crazy, like around the lunchroom, he was just nuts, and like everybody would circle around him, and he could freestyle like none other, and he first started doing shows at a church and like he would do some like spiritual content stuff but not like hey i'm saved and all go jesus go like he would do like these real records that like a dope mc or dope lyricist would do in these poems and stuff that really connected with life and he would do them at this youth group and then i came up to him one day at school just like i rap too or i want to rap i think i rap i don't really know if i rap you tell me if i rap he was just an accessible dude like that where you could have those kind of conversations he connected with me because he saw a lot of what he had been through and what I was going through at 13, 14 years old. And so he told me to get on stage with him one day at the youth group. And I was 14 years old and I invited my girlfriend out and like everybody I knew told him I'm about to rap. I wrote this awesome verse about, the song was about daddies. It was called like Daddy Dearest or something. And it was like a letter to your dad. That was the song. And so he did his and it was like mind blowing. And then I did mine and I was trying to get through it and then I just like got stuck on the words. So I'm up here rapping and I froze on stage. Froze on stage my first time. So then I pulled the piece of paper out and was like, all right, I'm gonna just read it. Cause it's still good. So I'm gonna just read it. Tried to read it and it was still the frog in the throat. Too big, couldn't even get words out, man. Ran off stage crying. First performance, that's my first performance. That was 14 years old and I didn't get on stage again probably for like another year after that. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth. But the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Over. Plow. Snap back. Breve and I grew close because he had situations very similar to my own and the way that he was kind of muscling through that artistically like you could tell like he was still he hadn't fully processed a lot of the stuff that was going on but artistically he was finding ways to captivate it share it and he was very articulate in what he had been through he put his album out in 2001 and it was called baby food and i got a verse on there and that was when i started taking it more seriously because he was winning you know in the christian community winning awards and stuff like that like this was like a classic underground album and so 
I was on it. So it was like, okay, they taking him seriously. I better take myself seriously and start making some more music. From there, I started writing a lot more for myself and not just like thinking about being a, a feature artist with Breezy, but like, what would it mean to be Jay Quest? What are the stories I want to tell? What are the songs that I want to write? What are the things that I've been through that I want to share with folks? I mean, that's how I got the name Quest. It was out of this whole sense of questioning that I felt like I spent my teenage years just asking asking a ton of questions and not getting the answers. All I was getting was more questions, deeper questions that I was, wasn't was ready for, now I'm ready to ask this question. So for me, that whole process of searching the self, of being on a journey where there is no finish line, but the journey itself, the quest itself is what's important. No y'all MC, stop biting for my niggas. We told y'all niggas on the fucking Cuba Link album, don't bite our shit. Y'all niggas keep biting. Y'all tell y'all something, man. It's time for the Wu Revolution right here. So all my niggas Third song the is Wu Tang Triumph from the, the Forever triumph. album. The, the greatest double CD in the history of humankind, hip hop, or any genre. And this is my favorite song off that album. And it was the greatest video in the history of the world when it came out. And it's the greatest start to a song in the history of any song ever written in the history of mankind. Abomatomically. This was a whole nother pace from like that outcast or that common. This was like hip hop, alright? I'm not telling you nothing about my private life. You don't need to know nothing about my private life to love me as an artist. Abomatomically. Period. Alright? That's all you need to know about me. How many kids I got? Don't matter. How much money do I make? Don't matter. Do I believe in God? Don't matter. Don't ask me that. All you need to know heads by the score, take flight inside a war. Chicks hit the floor, die hard fans demand more. Behold the bold soldier, control the globe slowly. Proceeds to blow, swing swords like shinobi. It, it gets me hyped, man. It gets me hyped. Man. Every time I hear this song, I have to listen to all of it. This my testament to those burn. Play my position in the game of life, standing firm. On foreign land, jump the gun out the frying pan. Into the fire, transform into the ghost rider. A six pack and a street car named Desire. Who got my back in the line of fire holding back? What? I guess when I think about it, sitting next to these other two records, I'm going through all this whole process of life discovery and all of that. It's an interruption. It's just a break. It's just like, alright. Let's just have fun for a minute. And this was my kind of fun. Just bold lyricism. Just confidence on the mic. That's what I needed to hear. So I appreciate it. Let's not worry about reality for a second. Life is hard enough. You need to have fun for a second. That's how the club record, that's what that's all about. That's what the MC was about in hip hop. And the MC was at the party, controlling the party. He wasn't out there yelling about justice and stuff. It was like, no, we're, we know what's going on outside here. But in here right now, we're going to have fun. And, and I got a, a litany of those songs. This was like the first real one that made me like lose my mind when I heard it. The saga continues. Wu Tang, Wu Tang. Olympic torch flaming. We burn so sweet. The thrill of victory. No hook. 
No formula. And this song was getting played too. Like, that's how anticipated it was. There's no hook. It was just nine rappers. And they would play the whole posse cut, the whole record. This was this was groundbreaking. This was groundbreaking. A jungle junkie, vigilante tantrum, a deaf kiss, catwalk, squeeze another anthem, hold it for ransom, trade while eyes with anesthesias, my orchestra, graceful, music ballerinas, my music Sicily, rich California smell, an axe kill adventure, paint a picture well. I sing a song from Sing Sing, sipping on Jing Sing, righteous wax, chaperone, rotating ring king. Rizza, Rizza, Rizza. We hadn't even really heard Rizza rap before. His flow on it. Perpendicular to the square. Escape from your dragon's laugh. In particular, he was killing that Jay. He was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's crazy. And then he had some other lines in there that were crazy. Like, we're not even going to try for a nice metaphor here. It was just too raw for me, man. My, my teenage ears were just like, I was just so captivated by these guys, man. Seriously, just so captivated. Helpless and suffers from multiple stab wounds and leaked sounds. That's her. 93 million miles away from K1 to represent the nation. This is a gathering of the masses that come to pay respects to the Wu Tang clan. As we engage in battle, the crowd now screams in rage. The high chief Jamel Ari takes the stage. Light is provided through sparks of energy from the mind that travels in rhyme form, giving sight to the blind. The dumb are mostly intrigued by the drum. Death only one can save self from this relentless attack of the track spares none. The way Wu-Tang had just come in with that whole Forever ad campaign, like everything they did around that, it was a globe with the Wu sign on it and then all of their faces underneath and that was it, that was all you would see and it would be a date, like June whatever, I forget, I think it was June. Like, that's it. That was all you saw. A page ad saying it's coming. Get ready. Double CD. This was like, all right, we came together for 36 Chambers. Now we've all evolved as artists. We've all gone out and done our thing, and now we're coming back together again. I just know I was ready for it. That's amazing, gun in your mouth, so verbal foul hall, connect, thoughts to make my man chow walk, swift notarizer, blue tank, all up in the high riser, New York gang visor, word, tranquilizer, just a dosage, delegate my clan with explosives, while my pen blow lines ferocious, Mediterranean, see y'all, the number one, traffic, sit down the beat guard, the delegate, the guard, the seagull. Yeah, after Morehouse, I put out an album called 2020 The Envision, that was just like nine songs about everything. Just, just all kinds of different stuff, and it was, I thought, really well produced and really, I mean, made a made a huge splash kind of in the industry in our particular genre. So, took two years, was touring around, made another mixtape. You know, have made music fairly consistently throughout. In 2007, I started going to University of Chicago Divinity School. I got done. I was done traveling and stuff. So it was like, all right, let me kind of find a place where I can be home making more music, but let me start finding a place where I can kind of settle in. And so I uh, started thinking about what are some other things that I could be doing besides music or in addition to music and, and ended up at the Div school and started thinking that I might be okay at this church leadership thing or at least teaching or something like that. And then graduated in, in August of 2010. I got married in October 2010. I started pastoring in November 2010. 
uh, at University Church. And, they, and this was just a community that was just looking to do some different things in their, in their world. That they had always had the same kind of prototype of what a pastor was or could be and what church work could be. And they wanted to break out. They wanted to break out and kind of take some risks. And it was a huge risk for me. That church had been there since 1894. And I, I was the first pastor under 30, the first black pastor, and certainly the only one who rapped. So it was like, for them, they were really kind of figuring out if they could exist in the new space that church was dying in, in the 21st century. It's like fuel to the fire, the fuel dictator with the fuel of a dictator. How are you greet Jesus with a how and hit y'all till you got a head full of spitballs? Walking on beats like water, I'm a beast. Sit tall for the least, they undermine the system. Press, but I'm like sweatpants, you can't crease them. Time in the oven, just yeast them. Rise like what makes church work difficult is that there is such a responsibility on the pastor or the leadership in particular congregation or faith community to hold oneself up as a model of good behavior to, to really struggle and with things and questions that people may not be struggling with or may have never asked before to really carry people to a higher level or to challenge them to reach their full potential because so often I think we just kind of sit at a certain place and then we have to be challenged to go higher or else we'll just kind of stay where we are the rest of our lives until we finally challenge ourselves and get tired or whatever and say, I can do better. That there needs to be people who say we can do better. That's what leadership is, I think, a good ethical leadership. And I think that that's something that, that we need more of. We have too many leaders of church who want to be like leaders of state or leaders of economy, leaders of business. And what does it mean to be a leader of church? And and maybe those people can take lessons from you about wisdom and and challenging people, but still loving people and shepherding and things like that. People who are willing to take a risk. I think the church needs more of those folks. The world needs more of those folks as leaders of government and everything. Of people who are willing to look at the model, the status quo, and ask questions about it and critique it and say, eh, maybe we can do better. I think that's what makes pastoring fun for me is the new level of challenges that I experience every day, the new level of challenges that we experience you know, in society right now, and the questions that we're asking and trying to provide spiritual perspective to you know, to make sure that people are still God-minded in the midst of this and are still using God to interpret their life. That that's something that's important to me. It's crazy in these streets, and it's hard right now to start judging. But when you get enough pain, and it's been enough pain, it's a wondering if God still loves us. It's a wondering if God do hate, or if God just forgot because he's busy other people trying to pray to him. Wait, this world that you invented can't be what you intended. Must be that you envisioned everything that I've been given. Brokenness, sickness, health, this marriage. I've been faithful, I've been living, I've been praying, I've been reading. I mean, hip hop matters because it gave people a voice who had no voice, poor, oppressed, what Howard Thurman called the disinherited people who were just kind of downtrodden and just beaten. And hip-hop gave them a way of kind of speaking, of articulating, of being, a way of being. It's still a massive tool of, of empowerment. It's also giving people opportunity to get out of, of whatever darkness is inside of them that they're not able to articulate. 
there's a song for it, whatever it is. I believe that because I found songs that have changed me, that have interrupted what I thought was my reality, that have given me opportunities to express my reality in deeper ways that I had never thought of before. So I'm going to always be thankful to hip hop, just like my kids would be thankful to whatever comes after hip hop.